Welcome to Agents Only, the number one place for real estate agents. You're joined by your hosts, Matt Steinwade and Amy Callister. Maddie, it's another week, which means another podcast. And I have a topic I think our listeners are going to maybe go wild over, I think, because I think so many questions have come in regarding this topic. Today, I want to talk to you about something very important, which is as we enter a shifting market, we have more and more overpriced vendors. And I'm sure this is something maybe you are experiencing in everyday conversations. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yep. think I think the biggest thing is like I remember someone once said to me, buyers are six months ahead of the market and sellers are six months behind in the market and it's closing that gap. Mm. I wanted to start with firstly, price is so important to everybody, right? But should you always assume that price is the most important thing to someone? Well, I think everyone wants to okay, I, I've got a property at the moment. It's a good example um, that it's been in the family for 60 years. I auctioned it on Saturday. I got the highest, the highest offer was one buyer, 2.2. The owners are at 2.3. On the weekend, and whether this is the right advice or not, it's just where I'm up to. On the weekend, uh, the buyer wouldn't move. She had someone, a friend with her that was a bit hostile, didn't like agents, I don't think anybody does. Um, you know, giving giving her advice or sort of just a bit combative, and then you got the family members; uh, they're all standing there, and and it just I, I just couldn't bring it together in a way where I felt they'd all wake up tomorrow and feel like that was a a, a palatable outcome. Let's yeah. face it; there's hardly any good prices out there at the moment. So, um, and I said to everybody, "Look, I think we all just need to go regroup," you know. Everyone just needs to, we can't seem to sort of bring a satisfactory position together today. So let's let's all go and we'll talk after. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that some agents would have banged it around their head until they got there. But when you're thinking like longer term and you're also thinking what's right by everybody, um, I I spoke to the owners on at 7.30 the next morning, which was Sunday. And they, they were like much different. They were like, oh, you know, I, we really need, we're, we're open to getting a deal done. You know, she's the buyer, yes. Much less tension. Yes. And and for me, it's not about just going and just trying to get this record price every time. It's trying to combine what's the right thing with like that could be getting it done as well. But what's the right thing for everybody how do they feel about it? Um, uh, like almost, uh, I like when things, they're not always, they don't always flow perfectly, but I like when things feel like, yes, that's, that's right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's, it sort of flows a bit easier. So when there's so much tension, um, it's not always the best thing to do to try and jam the thing together, you know, and, Look, a lot of agents might be listening to this going, that's ridiculous, should I just try to get it together on the day? But in my mind, I think to myself, can I replace the offer? I probably can. If, if that buyer went and there was somebody else, can I replace the offer? Um, and what's the, like, 
so what's the next part for me? And it's a bit of a long description, but for me, I look at each as an individual now. So like in that instance, did I want to get the sales together? Yeah, I did. I really did. But I felt that it was not going to be good on someone's part. Like the owners, I think the owners for the next 10 years would have been, oh, I, didn't, I, don't, I just didn't feel comfortable with that result, you know? Um, but then there's other people who they would value closure more and they want to get it, they want to get it done. You know, it's because that property, by the way, we thought it would sell for about two and a half. So mm -hmm. there was a limit there, you know, like there was a, an emotional cutoff, which is probably what I'm trying to say to you. It's like the emotional cutoff for everyone's different. So the owners were just at 2.3. That was just their emotional cutoff. They, they would not feel good with anything after that at that point in time. So a bit more time was needed then. And the buyer, she hadn't sold her house. And she's like, what if mine doesn't sell? Like, so if it all jammed together and then something went wrong with the buyer's house, then she would be like, oh, that agent forced me into that sort of thing, you know? So I've got to feel, feel like it's right for everybody. And in this market, you can second guess that sometimes because you, you're like, oh, I've got to get this sold for yourself and, you know, business and things like that. So what I'm saying to you is it's like you've got to look at each one as an individual, what's the right thing by the people and what's their motivation as well. Like the, the, the people who had owned that property for 60 years, another six days isn't, isn't going to kill them. But somebody else, um, the extra six days is way more painful than taking 50 or 80 grand less. You know, so it's like you've got to look at each one and, go, and carefully, like almost sort of go, what's, what's right for these people? Because there's times to push. There's, you know, there's times when you've really got to sit in front of someone and push them to take an offer because it's the right thing for them. Because you know in your heart, this is the buyer. They're, I don't have another buyer anywhere remotely at this. You know, and you, there's, a, there's a time to sort of use that um, ability to help people understand, like it's, I'm not a pushy person, but, but sometimes you've got to make strong recommendations, but it's based on what's right for them. So I think the biggest thing is like time can pay such an important factor in negotiations, but it's such a balance. I have a question here and I might just not reveal the listener's name because there's some private, not private information, but I want to read her question that she asked me because I think it's before you do that before you do that can we go back to the overpricing thing after it just so you don't forget yes yes absolutely well she's talking about this overpricing so I think it'll be really important um so she said Matt firstly I love the way that you do business it's very real and no bullshit I am listing higher priced acreage properties at the moment and following your strategy most of the clients I have at the moment are chasing are facing challenging circumstances like death divorce or debt I have a property at the moment, though, that's seriously overpriced. I don't like to take I don't like to take on overpriced listings, and I do follow your advice on that. But this one, I just couldn't walk away from. We're getting a lot of hits online, but no one at the opens. What does that tell you? Well, I guess I know it's overpriced. The problem is, the property is probably about three point three, but it's a divorce, and she wants four million. What would you do in this situation? What do I need to do to educate the wife to help understand the price point? Yeah, um, this is good. This is sort of where I was going. So 
like I've got one of those at the moment as well. We all do. It's real estate. You know, like don't sit there and think that Matt Simon's real estate world is this blissful utopia that, you know, after all these years, I just walk around and music's playing in the street and I'm dancing along. Like it's, <laughs> I'm doing exactly the same thing. Like totally just maybe with a little bit more volume, you know, you know, I mean, at the right moment, and it's, it's again, understanding people, but at the right moment, nothing beats, nothing cuts through more than the truth. Mm. And, but at the right moment, she just might not be ready. Like, and let's go back to that one. So one was 60 years of owning that house. This lady's getting divorced. Uh, have you been divorced, Emmy? I have not been divorced. No. Okay. Well, I have twice. Mm. And, and I know, and look, my divorces have been pretty good because I'm, I'm really caring, like, as in, like, I just take care of the ex-wife and it's like, here, this is what needs to happen for everybody. And like, that's whatever. I don't, I don't argue. Right. So I haven't had solicitors involved both times because I just, you know, it's, it's about sort of like, you know, I want to have the kids' birthdays. I want to be able to go and, you know, say, hi, how are you going? Like I go over to Shelly's house all the time and mm. hang out with kids and stuff like that. So that's, that's what I want to do. But not everyone's like that. No. So you don't know what's happened for that wife to get there. And in her mind, Think about what's going through her mind. Security, like operating. I don't know if there's kids involved. If she's working, she's not working. She might not work for a period of time and she just feels like scared as all hell. So a lot of the time when people are like that, there's a, there's a reason that they're so detached. Like she might need a certain amount of money. Mm. But also people aren't silly. And you've got to make a decision whether you want to work on it. Because that might be a six-month project. Mm. So that might be getting, having the wife, and she might she might not like anyone at the moment. She might not trust her ex-husband. She might have, something else might have happened, whatever. And she's like, I just think everyone's out to get me. So I'm going to put four million on it. And that's what I, that's what I want for it. But you've got to, you know that saying is, seek first to understand before you're understood. Mm. And it's, it's so true because, you need to get in her world a little bit, but you need to make a decision whether you can be bothered. So she's going to sell the house at some point, And at some point, the house is going to sell for a price, the right price, under whatever. But if you say to yourself, look, I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to rise to the occasion and I'm going to like not keep belting her around the head. Say to her, look, I'm going to really give it a good crack, but I want you to stay with me. So I'm going to give it a really good crack over the next few months and see if I can get $4 million for you. But if I can't, at some point, we've got to have a bit of a sit down and say, well, where is the market? What offers have we had? What sort of response? And whether that's two months, three months, four months, you'll know when that time is right for you. Is that okay with you? Do you agree? You are right with that? If we, you stick with me, I'll stick with you. I'll protect your price. I'll do everything I can. And if it doesn't work at some point, we're going to sit down and work out where to then. How do you feel about that? If she says yes, well, you've got a potentially good listing, but not right now. Mm. Not right now. In, in a three months, four months, six months, you're going to get sick of it at some point. And she's going to want to see you earn her trust in, in a way. Like, you've got to understand, people might feel a bit battered around going through something like that. It's the most gut-wrenching experience, pulling your life apart that you've built and putting it back together at far less position than you were. And then having to manage the, the dropkick X 
not mine. I'm not calling mine at all. She might think that. But then you've got to manage this person in your life for the next 20 years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these things are going through their head. It's way more than price. Do you know what's so funny, Maddie? And I promise he hasn't read, listeners, he has not read this question. Um, but it's quite funny because I didn't read this bit out. I kind of hummed over it. Um, but there is a line in here in this question that she says, he wants the property sold as he has a mortgage on the property and is also paying rent on the property he's living in with his girlfriend. Mm. So, you know, he's obviously moved on. Um, his motivation's 20 and her yeah. motivation two, because she's in the house probably or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, she's in the house. She might have kids. Security, remember? Like, like I said, I started with that. She's That's thinking, what I mean. Like, you picked up on it straight away. I didn't even read yeah. that line. And it's so you know what? important we don't just think about, like everyone has a price, but it's so important that we think about the process and what that person's going through. Because yeah. when you actually look at that, that's when you can actually start to put a deal together or you can start to work with what that deal is going to provide you. Yeah, totally. And it and comes back to, look, I mean, I'm at the stage of my career, I just want to work with people I like working with. And, I, and that can't be everybody, but I really take a good hard look at, do I want to spend the next three to six months working with this person every day, talking to them twice a day? You know, there's got to be a bit of that. And and if, I don't know the, the, the question, person asked the question's name, but if you have, you know, some compassion for the wife and you're like, yeah, I get her, I understand, I want to work, I want to help her, and I'm just prepared to get paid at some point in time down the track, but I, I want to make sure that it just, you know, I do the very best job for her, provided she's on board with you. If she's just horrible, well, don't work with her. Like, it's, it's we sort of forget we talk about it all the time but it is a people business like you, you don't hang around people you just don't like being around so like if you want to invest that time and energy into her and um see what comes of it then, then do that i mean there's been hundreds over the years for me where you know it's taken me six months to sell a house or more but i like working with the people they're fairly low maintenance they're like just i've got one now in north of oka the guy's just like, Matt, you've got it for life. I know I know our price is a little bit over, but when you get somewhere there, you might get me on a good day. Just let me know about the next offer because we had a couple of offers. Just yeah, let me know about the next offer and you might get me on a good day. We'll just sell it. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll just get working on it. Fairly low maintenance. I don't have to call him all the time. So again, for him, he's just got to feel right about it. Mm. But you might get somebody else that's like 200 grand over. You want to, they want to sell the house. They want to get moving in four weeks. Well, that's not realistic. You'll say, look, after one week, if we if the response is nowhere near what it is, can we sit down and talk about it? You can't take away hope from people. Please remember that. They're not trying to purposely overprice their house. The, the, the thing is they're emotional about it. So they start emotionally. The, the marketplace starts logically. There's the disconnect. How often does an owner come, out, come in and go, look, Matt, what do you think the lowest price I can get for my house is? <laughs> We'll start there. Like they don't do that because they've lived in it for 15 years. They're emotional about it. They think it's the best house in the street. So funny. You go into one house and they go, This is the best position in the street. You go down to five doors, down the lady, the lady on the there goes, Oh, this is the best position in the street. They all love their position. They all love their house. You just gotta like more look at the person. What's their reason for selling? Do you want to work with them? If it's a little bit overpriced, Emmy, we talk about priced now. But even in a marketplace that's boom, like going crazy, show me one owner that prices their home correctly. <laughs> well, like never. 
I've worked in real estate marketing for what now? I don't know, too long. I don't want to show, show my age too much, but it'll be well over a decade, maybe into 15 years. And I can tell you, I coach agents around the country. I work with some of the best performers in the country and I'm so lucky to do that. And every time I put my house on the market, Matt, I'm overpriced by about $300,000. Exactly right. Even though I do these podcasts and even though I, you know, I'm flying to Brisbane this weekend to stand at, you know, an international conference and listen to some of the best coaches in the country. Still, when I put my home on the market and there's a lot of, you know, um, fear in when you do do that because it's it's like the, you've got this one shot and you want to make sure it's all perfect. And, yeah. you know, look, I haven't um, had to sell yet because of a divorce situation, but I have been, you know, through friends that have had to do that and other family members that I've had to support. And it's quite funny because it's really, I guess, when we're talking about pricing, one of the key things I'm taking out of it today is that it's so important to look at the situation, what they need, where they're going, what they want and why they want that. Um, Because you can tailor a plan. I I really think there's so much value you've added in that question. I'll tell you what I do, Amy. So I used to shoot myself in the foot quite a bit with pricing because you go into somebody's house and go, I think it's worth 400 and you're like, oh, they they want... 650 so you just don't get a listing and and i don't care what people say i listen to all these trainers and they say oh you should never lose your listing on price or fee i think it's rubbish because if you if your fee is double somebody else like i understand if you've got profile and but if you're a young agent getting out there fee is important i reckon it is and i reckon price is important too it's like i don't know why people keep saying that because i think you can you know, it's like when you go buy a car. I've seen people drive halfway across New South Wales to go buy a car for $5,000 less. Because <laughs> the, the dealer at Toyota or Audi or wherever has it cheaper down there. Mm. Like, of course, price is important. But um, here's what I've worked out. When you sit with somebody to price their home and you understand it all and this is what they're doing and blah, blah. And they never tell you everything anyway, most of the time. They tell you what they want to tell you. Mm. And then... I say to people, let's just explore price for a minute. First, there's logical. So this is what, if a valuer came and they looked at the area, they put a a legal binding registered value on your property based on comparables. So let's go through all the comparables quickly. Boom, 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 boom. This house is this, this house is this. That's like yours. Yours is roughly around there based on these ones. Do you agree? Yeah. So let me guess. You want a little bit more than that? Yeah, actually we do. Okay. I know what I'm doing here. And they go, and they go, uh, and then, so then I draw another square above this. I'm always drawing things in people's houses. And I say, You're, you want the emotional range. So the emotional range is when a, a woman works and walks into the house. And I always say this at somebody's house, and there'll be a husband and wife there most of the time. And I look at the woman, I look at the husband, sorry, and I point to the woman and I say, Women buy real estate. Sorry, Matt, sorry, mister, but women buy real estate. They're, they're the decision makers. And the woman always smiles, like, Yeah, see? And I'm like, yeah, because you want to win the woman over as well. So it's like, yes, but it's true. They walk into a house. Once the woman wants the house um, and that she's picked a bedroom, she loves the kitchen, this and that, she's buying that thing. Mm. All right. So she's emotional. She's moved from a logical position to the emotional position. And she usually wants to spend a little bit more to make sure she secures it and beats everybody else, blah, blah, blah. That would be five 
to 10% more than the, the logical range. Okay? And they go, yes. And then there's a competitive range on top of that. So if you get three Mrs. Callisters that walk into a house and say, I want it, and this other Mrs. Callister says, I want it, and Mrs. Callister says, I want it, all three of them from Sydney walk in and want your house. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a competitive range. That's the part we don't know if it happens. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You can't account for it. But you know those prices that you see, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, that are like, wow, can't believe it sold for that. That's not because someone just walked in and, and has no idea and just paid this amount for a house. That's because they were competing with somebody. Mm. They had to beat somebody. And that's the range up here. We have no idea if it's going to come, but it's usually above the emotional range and it can be a phenomenal price. But this is how your pricing works. So I, what I want to do is understand how much is in the marketplace. And I usually write prices next to it. So like if it's 550 to 600 for the illogical, 600 to 680 for the emotional and 680 plus for competitive, you can't, you can't corner yourself with price and then go three weeks. Cause I also do a timeline with people and say, after 30 days, everybody's seen it, blah, blah, blah. And I talk them all through that. And then they go, but they forget all this. So you get three weeks into it and they want 700,000 and no one's responding. And it's like, just not happening I can bring them back to that conversation and say remember I said this is the logical range where I think people will at least connect with your property and then if they really like it they'll move to the emotional well we're not connecting because we're way above even the logical range and there's a message in that silence we've had three inspections in three weeks we've had no offers we've had 7,000 views on your property we've had 600 inquiries, whatever the number is. And I break the whole thing down for them. And even at that stage, people go, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. What do we need to do to fix that? And then you've got like a slightly more motivated, understanding person. But no one ever walked into a property sale after not selling their house for 10 years, knowing exactly how it all works. You can't remove somebody's hope. Otherwise, they won't list their house with you. But when you have a logical formula to pricing you didn't say this price exactly because if you say well, i think it's going to sell for 700 and the feedback 600 and you gave them no logical formula for pricing they're just going to blame you they're just going to go well you said 700 you you know, what have you, and where have you got to go with that image because you actually did do you know what i find so important about that statement maddie is the fact that you said they don't remember that you know, like I was even on my phone call with George this morning. I said to him, you know, we have to remember the average vendor or person we work with sells a home every seven to 17 years. You do this every day, George, and it's always breaking down the process and the experience. And sometimes we go in and we give this world-class listing presentation that we do over and over again. And sometimes we practice and we practice our dialogue and we practice all of that. But we have to remember we do that presentation so many times a week, that vendor only listens to it once and it doesn't mean they take it all in. So it is so important to come back and discuss price and bring those references that you have had at the listing presentation, especially if you're going for a price reduction, right? It's true. Yeah. And then, but you don't go three weeks down the track, all of a sudden pull out your charts and here you go. Every day you're talking about where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at with the owners? 
So you just got to upstep your rhythm. You've got to be the energy that you want to see. So when you give a property a lot of energy, the owner a lot of energy, like they're excited, things are happening, they're open. And I've said it before, service and evidence is the reason that people will listen. But you've got to be like a machine of connection now, like calling the owner at 7.30 in the morning, calling them at quarter to seven at night. Hey, just checking in, this is what happened today, blah, blah, blah. I just call them about nothing. I know I've spoken about this on other podcasts. I call them about nothing a lot of the time because it's, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. So after two weeks, you're like, hey, this is not really connecting with the marketplace. And because you've built the emotional bank up so high, I mean, overflowing, they, they quite often say to me, anyway, what do you think we should do, Matt? Like, how do we get it to connect? Because you can sit there and say, look, guys, everything is happening, but we're getting no offers, zero. That worries me a little bit. I reckon if this is what's happened over the last two weeks, nothing's... You know, oh, sorry, I was going to jump to open hours. I want to say the next two weeks, what's going to be different with that? You know what, you know what absolutely astounds me? Mm-hmm. How agents will do open houses week after week after week after week with no one coming through. Yeah, I know that blows my mind. And they're too scared to have the conversation. What on earth do they think is going to happen the next week? Different. (laughs) Like the market isn't excited now. Why? It's not all of a sudden going to get excited in three weeks' time. So like this whole... This whole thing about, and sometimes those open houses just to keep owners happy for five minutes, but it's more disappointing, no one coming through week after week after week. It wears them out. You're better off sitting down and having a great, straightforward conversation. And if they don't want to sell the house, don't sell it. But if they say to you, you're right, I actually think you're right, we want to sell, that will uncover exactly what their motivation is. But you've got to do all the other bits as well, like you've got to the connections have got to be 10 times at the moment. Um, you've got to be like running so fast. You've got to set it up right in the beginning. And you can't price the property wrong if you talk about the three tiers of pricing. If you do all that, at some point you have a really straightforward conversation with you, 80% of the time they're going to listen to you. And then you've got a really good, um, well-priced listing, motivated owner, and it'll sell. Well, I think there's so much value out there that we've just given our listeners because I tell you, I don't think there's one agent I've met at the moment, Maddie, that hasn't had to have this difficult conversation. And you really have just learned it from the absolute best, in my opinion, because there is so much value in looking at the situation, which a lot of us don't do. Maddie, thanks again so much for joining me for another podcast. And I can't wait for the next one. For more information and exclusive access to Matt Steinway's bulletproof listing strategy and prospecting systems, along with media and marketing school, visit www.agentschool.com.au.